Hey Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. All right, folks. Well, we're back here on Monday morning. Uh, Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com and Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. We're back here for our Monday morning episode, and we're going to have more fallout on the firing of Scott Frost. So uh, hopefully we'll see some of you guys join us here this morning. But uh, yeah, Danny, it was a crazy day for, for Nebraska. And I guess uh, we'll, we'll start off. But how how you doing this morning? Are you still hungover from the big news? I am still hung over from the big news. Uh, it is huge news, and and I just want to clear something up right away. I made a statement on Twitter earlier uh, yesterday, and I said Mickey Joseph wouldn't have come here if he didn't at least think Scott Frost would have been fired. And I'm going to pull up the statement so I can just make sure that I can read uh, it correctly. But I said, let's see. I said, I, I, I really feel like this was the only reason why he would come here to begin with, meaning Mickey. He knew he had a spot lined up if Frost was fired. And I'm going to say I still stand by that. People said they disagree. And, you know, one commenter said he believed he came here like he almost did in 2019 just because Mickey loves Nebraska and wanted to see it and Frost be successful and get it turned around. Now, I believe that to a point. I believe that, you know, he did want us, you know, Frost to be successful and see Nebraska get turned around. But, you know, I don't think he comes here without at least some acknowledgement by Trev Alberts that he could potentially at least get a shot, not as a full-time head coach, although it may come to that down the road, but for now, an interim coach. Yeah, I definitely, I think you can read the tea leaves. It's pretty easy to see that like Trev, and I think Mickey had to realize that this was potential. I mean, you're, there's a reason why he got the associate head coaching job. I mean, that that was pretty clear when you get that title. If something you know were to happen in a hot seat situation, you're going to take over. And I think he's the only guy on staff that makes any sense. So, you know, I think even if they didn't, necessarily have to say those were I think it was pretty implied you know yeah. that this was going to happen and you know it I, I really um yeah I was going to ask you about that because it was interesting to, to hear what Trev Alberts had to say about this in the media and you know he talked about giving the guys you know a chance over these last nine games basically to turn this season around and I think that's why you know I, I think he feels like this team can still get to a bowl game and still have some success and uh you know he said we got we have good players on this team which I agree with so I like the sense that he didn't just throw the season away because, you know, he didn't want to pay the $7 million buyout or whatever. Like he wants to give these guys a chance. And so, you know, even though we're, we're going to be going through this coaching search, you know, you know, this team still, you know, needs our focus. And I think we still, you know, should be supporting the guys. And I, I'm still hoping that this team gets to a bowl game. I don't think that that's going to, you know, impact things long-term, but I guess, you know, that is kind of the elephant in the room because, you know, Trev talked about yesterday what he was looking for in a head coach that he was going to be making this national search. So that got me thinking, like, is there anything that Mickey Joseph can do to, you know, lock down this job and to make it so that Trev isn't searching for another head coach? 
he's not going to come out to the media right away and say, oh, Mickey's got a lockdown, you know. He, you know, Mickey's our guy no matter what happens this season. I mean, right now, Mickey's got a chance to show what he can do. And, you know, I think um, <laughs> I think we kind of learned from the last time we kind of let a uh, head coach ease up and relax on the job a little bit. And I'm not saying that Frost did that all five years, but, you know, there needs to be, quite frankly, a fire lit under Mickey's ass or, you know, they're going to have a national, you know, head coaching search. I mean, and I think Mickey, I think this is an audition for him. I think, you know, Trev is not going to guarantee that Mickey's going to be the head coach following this season, but, you know, I think there's a shot. And that was my main point going back to what I read a couple minutes ago. That was my point. I feel like Mickey wouldn't come here unless he knew that there was going to be some sort of shot that he could at least test out the head coaching waters should Frost get fired. Yeah, and at least he's going to get a nine-game experiment. I mean, that's a, a solid opportunity to show not only what he could do, you know, potentially at Nebraska, but for other head coaching jobs in the future. Mm. I mean, if he you know, puts together a strong record. I mean, that's going to be something he can point to on his resume. Like, hey, I took over a bad situation and I was able to win some games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just really interesting because, you know, the reaction, I was really interested to hear the, you know, I, I don't remember if this was Trev who said that, but I guess the reaction when the players were told it was Mickey was like, they were super excited about it. And that got me, you know, because I still think this team has potential about, you know, regardless of everything that's happened, the defense has been terrible. I mean, that needs to be fixed. And actually, before I lose track, did you see that rumor? I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but that there was going to be, you know, and, and Trev mentioned some shakeups, but that maybe Travis Fisher might take over for D.C., that Shenander might be out. I don't know. Did you see any of that on Twitter? I didn't see that, but I like the sound of that. I mean, Fisher's units have always played hard, and he's gotten the most out of a lot of his players. I think uh, – you know, Cam Taylor Britt comes to mind and, you know, there's a certain toughness that comes along with, you know, the Travis Fisher style of coaching. So I wouldn't mind that at all. Hell, it can't get any worse than it has been. So <laughs> why not? And I think, yeah, you make a good point. If you look at um, the position groups, I think the secondary is probably, you know, over the last five years, they've had probably the most guys like going to the NFL and kind of being productive. Um, so, I, you know, he's got NFL experience. He's been with Shenander, so it's not like he doesn't know the system, but it wouldn't be bad to I, – I think it just – there needs to be a shakeup. I don't – I just don't know how you sit there and, and try to call the same, you know, systems. And may, I mean, I'm sure that Mickey's going to have, you know, some ideas about, you know, how to play the defense and stuff like that, but I just – it would be nice to see somebody else get a chance. I just don't see how, you know, Frost gets fired, but Shenander still has a job because he – is just as much to blame, I think, for you know for Scott Frost losing his job. But it's uh, at the same time, you know, Scott kept him in place, and that was one of his biggest, you know, mistakes. And if you can't put together, I mean, a, a coaching staff is critically important. You know, when you're, you know, it's not just about the head coach, especially in college football, because it's about you know recruiting and developing, and and uh, you know the staff just wasn't up to snuff, and the defense was bad for five years. So I, don't, I really don't know how Shenander is still in this job. I mean, in year five, I thought because I, I, the last year, last year saved him. Yeah. And that was a huge, that was a huge mistake by Scott for, you know, he should have just realized three and nine, like we just got to cut bait, you know, and, and maybe you could have kept some of the other position coaches 
you know, if you felt good about those guys, but they should have found another, they should have went to, I think what they should have done is, you know, went and found somebody from the NFL. I think the best, I honestly think like some of the best coordinators in college are, you know, NFL kind of position coaches, you know, Michigan's done that the last couple of times. And, you know, you, you just look at these teams like Ohio state, Alabama, they're running all these, you know, and basically NFL style schemes. And I think you need guys who are going to disguise coverages. Nebraska doesn't do that. They know that, you know, Georgia Southern could sit there and see that Nebraska was lined up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage every time. I mean, I could be wrong. It's not like I'm sitting there breaking down their coverage that much, but I don't think people are getting confused when they're playing Nebraska. I don't think they're getting surprised. And I don't think Eric Shenander is uh, out scheming people at all. No, and I know I like to crack jokes, but there were times during the game on Saturday when I couldn't even see a Nebraska corner on the TV. They were backed up so far. <laughs> and so I don't think it was any mystery what type of defense they were running. They were playing don't get beat for the deep ball, but let's let everything else through. And, you know, it was plainly obvious, and that's what I tweeted. You know, they, they're playing back in coverage. They don't want to get beat. And I can see that for even the first half of the game. But the key is, and this has kind of been a Achilles heel for Nebraska overall in the Frost era, at least, making adjustments when something doesn't work. And they didn't do that, for example, on Saturday. I'm not, I, I really don't want to talk too much about Saturday's game. Yeah, yeah, but, um, you know, it's just a lack of adjustments. And, you know, I think getting an NFL – style defensive coach would just or would just you know help players get ready for the NFL we talk about player development and things like that and a lot of these college schemes especially offensively they try to mimic what pro teams do so that players will be ready if they have the opportunity to get drafted so I think you know getting a former NFL coordinator you know, to kind of mimic some of the stuff that he's seen in the NFL and, you know, bringing him to Nebraska, that's certainly an intriguing idea because the best programs know how to develop, and it doesn't mean just getting the most out of kids in terms of their athletic skills, but also kind of helping them prepare for, you know, down the road. And we got a first comment here from Sean. And where is, I'm going to assume that means the pass rush, not the yeah. keys rush. But yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, Sean. I don't know where the pass rush is. I mean, I, I thought O'Shawn Mathis played fairly well on Saturday. But, you know, Garrett Nelson just has not lived up to expectations this year. And then Nebraska had to start blitzing and that didn't work. It, it just, it never works out well. I mean, if you've got four really good guys in the secondary you can be a strong blitzing team but if you can't cover man-to-man and you start blitzing like if you don't get home you're screwed and i think we saw that on saturday not that, not that we want to talk too much about it but we saw that on saturday we saw that against northwestern and we're lucky uh south dakota or, or north dakota one of the dakotas didn't pass more because <laughs> because um you know that's been a problem throughout the shenander uh tenure and really just that position, you know, if you look at like Bo Pelini um, always had some of those guys and I'm blanking on, but I mean, you know, they had Randy Gregory, um, Levante David wasn't a pass rusher, but they always had some sort of impact player on defense, you know, and Nebraska just, they just haven't hit on recruits. And then the other thing too, I feel like is they don't, 
use personnel correctly. Like I, I, you know, we've criticized Ty Robinson a number of times, but at the same time, I don't think Nebraska has had any clue on how to develop that guy. I mean, he came here as a defensive end. They tried to make him into like, kind of like a five technique. Then he became a defensive tackle. Now it's almost like they're trying to make him a nose. Like I, it's just, you know, it's weird. I mean, you saw that with Wandale Robinson and, you know, it's kind of re- rehashing all these old things, I guess, looking forward, you know, do you think that Mickey Joseph can kind of fix some of these things? Because, you know, it's uh, looking back and I'm, I was struck by this. And I don't know if Nebraska fans will look back to uh, think back to our 2008 season. Joe Gans was our quarterback. It was Bo Pelini's first year. We ended up playing Clemson in the Gator Bowl that year. And Dabo Sweeney was the interim coach that season. That's how he got the job. Bobby Bowden got fired. Dabo had a good year as the interim quarter, interim head coach. And I think they went to the ACC title game and lost. And we ended up beating him that year in that bowl game. But uh, that is basically Mickey Joseph's going to have to do something like that to, in order to get the job. I think he's going to have to win like eight or nine games and probably beat Oklahoma or, or something along those lines. But we've talked about like, you know, with competency, like, do you think if if Mickey does do that, I mean, would you kind of endorse him taking over that role? Or do you think that Nebraska needs to go find a big time coach no matter what? I would endorse him because if you win, you know, eight, nine games and get a ball, you know, Right now, the ceiling isn't a whole lot higher other than maybe just winning the bowl game. So I would at least, you know, endorse him and give him a shot to to be the head coach because there is a lot to work with here, and I trust that he knows how to develop talent. I mean, the names, and maybe you've heard of them, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, DJ Chark come to mind. And, you know, he's a proven talent developer, and, you know, he's a very good recruiter, and... I would love to see us continue to kind of see what we could get out of the state of Louisiana. So if he, if he were to win eight or nine games, I would definitely be on board with him being head coach. And I don't care if he has zero head coaching experience. If he can win eight or nine games, especially, let's be honest here, with Eric Shenander as defensive coordinator, he yeah. definitely deserves a shot. That'll be – that will be like the miracle. And that that's really the biggest thing is that, that I just – it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around um, – going forward with the staff with Shenander still there, you know, like you definitely need to get a new defensive coordinator. That's why I would like to try Travis Fisher. Cause what if he works, I mean, just different play calling philosophies. It was like um, Trev said, you know, a different voice, just a different, different priorities, different people. And uh, you know, Mickey is definitely, I think coming at it with a different sense of energy now than I think Scott was definitely wore down. I mean, I, I believe that Scott gave it, his absolute best effort. You know, I know that he wanted Nebraska to win. You know, he obviously has been a player at this program. He grew up, you know, watching this program. I'm still, he's, I'm sure he's still going to be cheering for this program, even though he got fired, you know, he's still going to come back and be celebrated for what he's done as a player. And uh, he just, it just didn't work out. And I think his coaching hires and his inability to recruit, I think are like the two biggest reasons why I think that this failed, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to really pinpoint it, but if you could pinpoint on one or two things, why do you think Scott Frost no longer has a job? Like why this just didn't work out? Um, I wouldn't say, first of all, I wouldn't necessarily say inability to recruit. I would say inability to put successful recruits in the ideal situations to succeed. I mean, you look at Wondell Robinson and then he left for Kentucky and what he did there. I mean, that was a missed opportunity. And then, I guess you could say inability to recruit because, you know, we I, I remember when we whiffed on, I think it was Keegan Johnson, and, you know, people were upset about that as well. But, 
I would say the lack of being able to develop talent and I feel like his own ego did him in because, you know, the perfect example, Northwestern onside kick. I mean, had he recovered the kick, had the team recovered the kick, he would look like a genius. But, you know, types of lack of game management and lack of situational awareness really, really hurt Scott Frost. And, I mean, we already talked about, you know, hiring his friends, so to speak. That didn't help either. But lack of game management and inability to develop talent, I think, were the two things that really did him in. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, shout out another quote here or a comment um, talking about Garrett Nelson looked good against our offensive line in the spring, which we know the offensive line is basically trash. And that gets me up to a really good point on why, you know, Scott failed at Nebraska. He never could figure out how to win in the trenches. I mean, for five years, the offensive line sucked. And I'm sorry, the defensive line has never been good. I mean, we've consistently just gotten dominated in the trenches. You know, I remember his first year, you know, he he said, you know, the, the big thing was that, like, this team isn't quite ready to be a Big Ten team. And then they came back the next year and, you know, he he talked all big and bad, like, yeah, this team's ready and we're going to do this and that. And then they just was continually got their asses kicked. And now, I mean, Northwestern kicked our ass in the trenches, Georgia Southern, North Dakota. It's like, that's what you got to get fixed. And I don't know who the coaches can to, to be that, but you've got to figure out how to recruit offensive linemen, how to coach offensive linemen. And for Christ's sake, we have to figure out how to get some defensive tackles and some pass rushers back on this roster. And I think it will, and I think, you know, it, it will become clear with a better scheme. I think maybe if some of these players weren't put in weird positions, such as covering wide receivers, then we might see different results. But, you know, I think, a defensive tackle is a must. I mean, impact defensive tackle, not just defensive tackle like it says on the roster for the sake of having a defensive tackle. And then, you know, I feel like having athletic linebackers similar to like a JoJo type, but not just a linebacker that can come down, you know, in the running game and make a play. But today's game, you need linebackers that can have the ability to, you know, cover running backs and slot receivers. Now, that's not the only thing that they should be able to do or else, you know, like an Eric Shenander type defense, they need to be able to, you know, also be able to come down and make a play in addition to coverage. Yeah, and those guys, you know, they're not hard to find, but they're extremely valuable. You know, like I think back, you know, this is off topic a little bit, but like Patrick Willis is a guy who changed linebacker playing those 49er defenses when they had Willis and Bowman because they didn't have to play nickel. They could play their base defense, but their two linebackers were so damn good in coverage. They could put them out on a tight end, you know, slot receiver running back. And that's kind of what, you know, I get the idea of Nebraska trying to do that. But even last year with Jojo Doma, and I thought, you know, like he got, he was in a lot of tough situations where like the Ohio state game, you know, mm -hmm. he was having to cover, an NFL first round receiver almost every play. It's like, that makes no sense, man. That makes absolutely no sense. I'll throw out another name that I enjoyed watching and I actually met and really liked growing up, but Luke Keekley, I always thought did a good job of doing that as well. Yeah. And, but, go, but going back to your point on JoJo, I mean, that, the Ohio State game was one of the best games I saw him play at Nebraska, but he was doing it all. Mm -hmm. You know, he was doing it all and, you know, I kind of knew once JoJo left that we might have some difficulties and look where we are now. Yeah. And you know, and it's not just looking... JoJo. It's not just no, JoJo. But... No, but yeah, I mean, 
we're missing the Daniels guys inside, you know, still, uh, you know, all those, all those big guys over the, you know, on last year's, last year's team had so many veteran players, especially in the front seven. Like it's just a travesty. Those guys didn't get to a bowl game, you know, and I know there were so many things that happened, but it was just the, the mismanagement drives you crazy. Like if you just had a competent coach, you know, last year and really the year, I mean, basically both of the losses to Colorado that Frost had, you know, to start his tenure, you know, the Michigan state game, I mean, basically every game last year, basically every loss the last two years, I think you can really almost put on coaching, except, you know, probably that Ohio state game because they were so. <laughs> I was going to say that was embarrassing, but it was fun to watch JK Dobbins and yeah. uh, Justin Fields. But I mean, those guys were just, they were just so freaking talented that outside of that, outside of those games, Nebraska's almost had a chance to win a lot of games and they just like the inability to win close games, I think is, you know, shows that he's just not a good coach. He doesn't know how to, how to, um, you know, use the correct personnel. He doesn't know how to, it was like, even in the game on Saturday, not that I want to talk about it, but you know, Georgia Southern got down there in scoring range. And I was saying, you, you got to take timeouts. You got to, so Nebraska took the ball over with 50, 40 seconds left. What if you had a minute and 30, you know, you might've been able to go win that game instead of, just getting a field goal attempt. So it's little things like that that just drive me crazy. And I guess that's that's why we are where we're at, where we're at now with uh, Scott being fired. And I really hope that Shenander gets fired today. I mean, I really hope that there's a shakeup there. And Travis Fisher played in the NFL, so you know I gotta believe he's got some influence. And just maybe he will know that you know, hey, middle linebackers and nickel linebackers should be covering the other team's, you know, wide receivers every single play. I don't know. I think we might see a shakeup after the Oklahoma game, although I'm not, although I'm not, you know, 100% certain on that, but I feel like if the Oklahoma game is going to go the way I think it's going to go, then, you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there could be a shakeup there. I feel, I feel like Trev is going to do this, you know, bit by bit. First Frost, then Shenander, and then we're going to have to figure out what to do with the rest of the assistants. I kind of feel for them a little bit, meaning like Whipple, Mickey, yeah. you know, I kind of, I, cause they came here. I mean, Whipple, especially Whipple, you know, he doesn't need Mickey. to do this. He doesn't no. need to do this. I mean, and he could have stayed at Pitt. He could have stayed at Pitt. Yeah. He could have stayed at Pitt. Yeah. And you know, he's also older. So, I mean, you know, I can see him being gone after this year. I mean, he's done head coaching. He's been in the NFL. He's done the college coaching. I can see him gone after this year just for retirement purposes. But I really do feel for these coaches. I mean, I feel like Mickey has a real opportunity. Um, Whipple, I don't think beyond this year. I wonder if he'll stay. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't just because, you know, he's older. But, you know, I, I, I really do feel for – everybody involved i mean even scott you know as much as we like to you know bag him and complain about him you know this wasn't the way that anybody wanted it to end if you watch the opening introduction video from 2018 where frost was introduced at the basketball game it's just completely sad it is completely sad he looks so happy to be there he looks about 15 years younger and he also you know there was just so much optimism at that game. I had a, a couple friends who were at that game, and you know they really thought that Frost was going to turn it around, and just didn't work out. And so, you know, 
Yeah, it's, I never thought we would be here. You know, I really, yeah, I really thought that he was, uh, I thought that Scott Frost was Nebraska's Jim Harbaugh. I really did. Um, you know, I really thought he was going to be coaching here for like 20 years. I thought we were, I, I didn't think we were going to win national championships all the time, but I thought we were going to be, you know, back to being Nebraska. I thought he was going to have us like, you know, dominating the Big Ten West and, just didn't work out that way. And, you know, it's hard to put a finger on why, but, you know, now we have to find the right guy to do the next thing. So I seems like a good transition to, you know, talk about the next head coach. Um, some rumors came out yesterday. Um, Lars Anderson, who's kind of had his pulse on, you know, he got the last few coaching hires. He, he tweeted, he got Scott Frost, right? He got Lars, An or not, um, excuse me, the baseball coach, Will Bolt. Will Bolt. And, and um, also Fred Hoiberg. So, you know, he's saying that right now the number one target is Matt Campbell of Iowa State, and he's saying that he expects Matt Hamill to, to be the next head coach, or that's what he's hearing is that Matt Campbell wants to come here. And now it's funny to me, I've already got people who are just like blowing me up, being like, oh, he's 10, 10 and 7 in his last 17 games, and I don't want Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell would be a home run higher. Like I would go hire him today. What do you think about Matt Campbell? He reminds me a lot of Scott Frost. Prior to Nebraska, I mean, he's, you know, he's an up and coming, you know, hot head coaching name, but, and he, and, and granted, he does have success. He's 79-49, you know, won the MAC twice in 2014-2015, and I wouldn't mind him, but I feel like we need to go bigger on a coaching hire if we're not keeping Mickey. But who's bigger than Matt Campbell, though? I mean, in terms of, like, somebody you can actually get. Because, like, this is a guy that, I mean, everybody, he's had numerous NFL offers, and it sounds like he was waiting for Notre Dame or Ohio State, and then, you know, they Notre Dame went the Marcus Freeman direction. But, I mean, I don't know. I think, to me, I, I think he's, like, as elite. I think he is a really elite. I mean, if you look at Iowa State, I mean, like, yes, last year they went 7-6, and six, and I know that their schedule was tough, but – like go like they played Clemson in their bowl game last year, and they actually competed. Like they were within one a one score game of Clemson. And I, I know that horseshoe. I've said that a million times. Like college football is not horseshoes. Close doesn't count. But he's beat like he's beaten Texas. He's beaten Oklahoma. He's beaten Oklahoma State. He's um, beaten Oregon in a Fiesta Bowl. So he's won a lot of big games. And I feel like if you can do that at Iowa State, like man, what could he do at Nebraska? Because maybe he's. I think he feels like. You know, I've reached my ceiling here. There's only so much I can do with this program. You know, I do think there is a ceiling at Nebraska, and I think it's lower than like Ohio State. But outside of that, I think Nebraska can be as good as I think Nebraska can be a top ten program legitimately every single year without without that much difficulty. Honestly, I mean, yeah, to a point, but it all depends on. And I hate to keep going back to this, but do the coaches like recruiting? And I think you know, I and I think Campbell can recruit, but. I also think it's going to be about, you know, if he were to come here, who's he going to bring in for the rest of his staff? I think he'd probably bring in his Iowa State people, on, you know. Yeah, that makes and sense. I don't know how – I mean, I could see Whip – you know, I don't know that much about his staff personally to comment, you know, like, but that just seems like what coaches do. I could see Whipple staying on, and I could see Mickey Joseph staying on. Those are the two guys that I think could, you know, translate over – Maybe Rayola, if the offensive line, you know, starts playing better since it was his first year here. Um, like USC, they had, you know, Dante Williams. We talked about this guy, but Dante Williams was their interim head coach and 
excuse me, they didn't end up playing very well, but he stayed around and that helped with their recruiting class because he's an excellent recruiter and they ended up, you know, Lincoln Riley kept him. So, I mean, I think that got those part of it too, is you need to have a head coach that knows what guys he needs to keep and what guys that he doesn't need to keep in building a staff. I mean, um, I apologize for my Michigan references. I also am a Michigan follower, but Juwan Howard, when he was hired, he basically kept, he hired two new coaches for Michigan basketball, and it was the strength coach and um, one of their top assistants. You know, he hired some other new guys, but those two assistants he kept have been vital to his success. So I think it, smart coaches, smart head coaches, it's not just like about X's and O's, right? It's just about their operational like philosophy and how they go about doing things. And, you know, Scott Frost, just his decision-making, the way he made decisions, and I don't know, he he just, he made the wrong decision almost every single time, whether it was, you know, plays that needed to be called, coaches that needed to be hired, players that needed to be recruited, you know, or how they were played. They almost always made the wrong decision. And I think Matt Campbell, I think he, I, I don't know, I believe in him. I think he would make a lot of the right decisions. So it wouldn't shock me if he was like, hey, Mickey Joseph is a big part of this program. We need to keep him there. Because there is, I do think that whoever comes in as the next head coach is going to need to have some Nebraska people on the staff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying yeah. you have to hire a Nebraska person, but you have to have some connections to the program, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's important, especially if we're talking about uh, keeping talent in state because the 2024 class of kids is absolutely loaded. And so I know off the top of my head, Davon Hall, the wide receiver, I believe he's 2024. And, um, you know, this next group of kids in state is absolutely loaded. So, you know, I, I'll just be interested to see how it plays out. I am on the no Urban Meyer train just because I don't think he'll come here to begin with. I do think it's nice to, you know, it would be good to check him out, see, you know, if he's interested, but. I don't think it's happened. I mean, just from the, from the early reporting I've seen, you know, there's been enough crossover, you know, from like the different lists. That doesn't mean that Urban can't, but I just don't, he doesn't seem like he's on the list. Matt Campbell seems like the, that, he, I've put Matt Campbell on all of my lists, and he makes sense. There's no character issues with Matt Campbell. There's no red flags. He's built a winner at two different places, you know, Iowa and Toledo. Plus, you know, the thing I like about him is he, you know, if you look at Iowa State's recruiting, their classes aren't great, but for one thing, they know how to recruit quarterbacks. Um, they got uh, Chubba's or Chuba, whatever, however you pronounce his name. Sorry. Brock Purdy. Yeah, Brock Purdy was four years started there, um, and they just – in this class right here, 2022, or excuse me, 2023, they have a kid named JJ Cole who's been committed to them for, for almost over a year. And uh, he's, he wasn't as ranked as highly. Yep. And uh, he went and like was one of the top performers at the elite 11. So like, they're going to get another big time quarterback and actually uh, JJ McCarthy, who's Michigan's quarterback, their five-star who just, you know, is taking over their job and who I think is going to be one of the best players in the big 10 guess who his first scholarship offer was. Iowa well, State, yeah. Matt Campbell, Matt because Campbell. because he can evaluate. This guy can evaluate talent, and that's what you need in Nebraska. Because you're not going to this Nebraska is not going to ever have like eight top 100 recruits like Alabama or Ohio State or you know what I mean. Like you can get a few guys, and you can get four or five guys in the top 200 or whatever. But you have to be able to find guys in the three to 500 range that are diamonds in the rough that you can develop and that can get to the NFL. And I think he's done a pretty damn good job of that at Iowa state. And I really think he would do a great job here at Nebraska because there is no recruiting pipeline here. You've got to just, you know, you've got to kind of make it up as you go. You've got to get kids around here 
but I think he would do really well. But who who else then? Like who who do you think? Like if you if you were if you were Trev Alberts and you, you could pick anybody that you wanted and you knew they were going to say yes, like who would be your perfect coach? If I was Trevor Alberts and I could pick anybody I wanted, that's a tough question because, you know, and I said this name yesterday, and I know he's a little bit off the board here, but I really, really like Jamie Chadwell. I mean, I think he's a like, like I said yesterday, if you guys watched the live stream and if you didn't, you can go check it out. But um, no, I think, you know, Coastal Carolina, they've been a solid program, but they haven't been a powerhouse and yet they've been consistent and there's been, and as much as we want nine or 10 wins, and believe me, I want that too. We just need to first start off with consistency. And I think, you know, Chadwell would be able to bring it. And he says, need to stop bringing up Urban. He's more trouble than he's worth. I agree. And why the hell would he leave his cushy Big 12 noon job where he says 10 words and makes $10 million for Nebraska? Because he's, he's a competitor, man. That's the thing. Urban Meyer wants to win. But, you know, I'm. I, I agree, Blake. Um, I said in the chat, I'm getting off the urban train. I'm officially getting off the urban train, everybody. Okay, it's not going to happen. And that's probably okay because I think he's the antichrist of college football coaches. But I mean, he does he uh, he does have a lot of uh, skeletons in his closet, so to speak. But, uh... but And honestly, one reason I was on the Meyer train is I didn't think that like I didn't, I didn't think that Nebraska would have it. I, I will still be surprised if they do with Matt Campbell. But like, if you had told me, "Hey, Matt Campbell's got a realistic chance of coming here," then okay, cool. I don't give a yeah. crap about Urban Meyer. Matt Campbell has always been number one on my list, always. And I just think that, because man, I could see him being here for a long time, and I think that he would get. I'm not going to say that he would get Nebraska back to like where it was before, but I think he could get it to the Bo Pelini level. You know what I mean? I would have a hard time believing that in today's college football environment that Nebraska will ever get back to what it was before. Yeah, no, never. It's not that's not going to happen. Well, in any team. I mean, it's it's I mean, look at Alabama. I mean, have they won 3 in 4 years? I know they've won a couple in a row, but it's damn hard. You know, with these uh with the way recruits are anymore, but I do think that like to go on a tangent, but I, I, I'm really actually looking forward to the 12 team playoff. I think that's a game changer for programs mm-hmm. like Nebraska, because really like all you have to do if you're in Nebraska is win the big 10 is like, say you win the big 10 West with a nine and three record. Even if you're nine and three, if you go into the big 10 championship and say you upset like a Penn state or Michigan or Ohio state, you're probably going to the, well, you'd be the big 10 champ. So you are going to the playoff. So, I mean, really, I think that that, and that's going to give, you know, other programs an opportunity because right now, you know, there's only four or five teams every year that can say, Hey, like we're going to the playoff. And once that number starts expanding, you know, I really think that that's going to help even things out a little bit with recruiting, not a ton, but a little bit, because once you get to that echelon, it's, it's like with uh, college basketball, you know, it's like getting to March madness. That's why I love March madness. I mean, anybody yeah. can be anybody on any given day and you can have, you know, Butler almost beating Duke like they did back in 2010. And yep. that's what I love about it. It's the parody and the opportunities it affords, uh, you know, these college basketball teams. But I was just doing some number researching on on uh, Chadwell here. and he's Yeah, we got off the Chadwell train. I like Chadwell totally. He's definitely one of my top candidates for sure. 32 and 19. Uh, he finished 11 and 2 in 2021. I mean, the only down year he had – he well, well, he was three and nine, five and seven, 
and then 11 and 1 in 2020. He's had seasons of 10 and 3, 7 and 4, and he won the Victory Bowl with North Greenville with a 9 and 3 record um, in 2010. He had an overall record of 22 and 14 at North Greenville, and right now he has, you know, a, a 32 and 19 record at Coastal Carolina, 92 and 54 overall, and uh, he's won a Sun Belt title in 2020. And if we learn nothing about the Sun Belt this weekend, it's that they can play. Yeah, man. Sign me any coach that has a conference championship, like sign me up for it, you know, because like any FBS conference championship, I think is a big, is a big deal to win it. And um, yeah. And for, I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that uh, Chadwell was part of the process of taking coastal Carolina up to FBS. I don't think they started yes. as an FBS program. Yes. So, you know, like he literally had, you know, what's akin to almost like a, a franchise, you know, an expansion type, you know, program and uh, has built it up into a pretty, you know, I mean, they're, they're getting talked about. I don't think they've lost yet this year. Right. No, uh, nope. They're two and oh. So, I mean, people have been talking about that. They got a pretty good quarterback. I'm blanking on the name, but uh, people have been talking about them as like a bowl team, you know, a, a team that could get the crash, the new year six party like Cincinnati last year. So I, I think Chadwell would be good. My concern is that he just is he wants to stick in the SEC area, but again, that's total speculation. I have no idea. I thought he was, I thought he would, but would have been a good candidate for like LSU. Um, if I was Auburn, man, I would hire him. I would fire that guy here from Boise, and I would go get uh, Chadwell. But if I was LSU, I would have fired Brian Kelly and rid Brian Chadwell right now. Dude, Brian how, Kelly's been over his head. How funny was it though that so. On Monday, last Monday, I saw all the Notre Dame fans were, you know, giving shit to the LSU people about Brian Kelly. And then a few, a few days later, it was the LSU people doing the same thing because they turn around and lost to Marshall. So it's like neither one of them is Brian Kelly should have just stayed where he was. Marcus Freeman's on a snake. So that's so that's uh, I I give him more credit that than Brian Kelly. I've, I I you really his... don't like Brian Kelly at all. You hate no. Brian he's Kelly. in a, he he he's an embarrassment <laughs> to Worcester, Massachusetts. I mean, he flies down to LSU, right? He flies down to LSU. You know, he probably practiced his fake accent on the flight. Does oh that God. stupid fake accent at the basketball game, and what does he have to show for it? Nothing so far. Nothing. 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 And it's Plus all to... the stupid dances, man. Those are horrible. Ugh. And it's easy to succeed when you're Notre Dame and you play Holy Cross or whatever, and you get to a real game and get absolutely blown out. Like he is in way over his head. But I'm getting on a tangent, and Chris, you need to bring me back down to earth. Because here I'm just, I'm gonna put my comment up here so everybody can see that I'm I'm saying officially I will not bring up Urban Meyer again. I'm I love you, but thank goodness. But now you guys are gonna have to get list. Now I'm gonna be on the Matt Campbell train because I feel like that's coming, but. The other uh, name, now mine uh, is Chris Peterson. I'm not mentioning myself. I'm saying the P. Chris Peterson S. E. N. Yeah. Although, I, although all Chris Petersons, I have to say, are pretty smart. So, I think he'd be <laughs> a good hire for. But no, somebody brought him up on the stream yesterday. I can't remember yeah. who it was, and that name clicked. And I've really got that. I really think that Trev Albert should call him because I remember now last year. It was uh, Texas. I think it was TCU or tech. I think it was the TCU job when that came open. There was like rumors that he was interested in coaching again. And then they ended up going, they got a Texas coach or whatever. But yeah. like, man, if you could get Chris Peterson, because like he took Washington to the college football playoff, you know, like he's won 
major bowl games with Washington and Boise State, and I feel like he could do well in Nebraska. Didn't he take them to the playoff multiple times, 2016? Uh, Just one, I, They won multiple Pac-12 titles under him. So they went to like the – they won um, – they made, made the playoff, and then another year they won the Pac-12 and like went to the Cotton Bowl. So they went to two major bowls is what you're thinking. They, they, they went 12-2 and two in 2016. They lost – in the Peach Bowl, is that part of the uh, is that yeah, part that of the playoffs? Was, yep, that was to Alabama. And then they went ten and four, twenty eighteen, and they lost in the Rose Bowl. Yep, that was I want to say to Ohio State. Yeah, so certainly not certainly not a slouch opponent by any means. But, you but look I mean, at two two big two uh, two Power Five conference championships in like three years. That's or no back to back years. You look at his coaching, you know, resume at Boise State. He finished ranked you know four out of the la- four out of the five years he was there um you know i certainly remember the fiesta bowl and the statue of liberty play i think i was 11 yeah. but i but i remember that and then um you know he the last year he was um at boise state he finished eight and four so i mean there is a track record of success there and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but those were the Kellen Moore years from 06 to 2010, I think it was. Yeah, yep, they might have, yeah. yeah, maybe another, but yeah, Kellen Moore was the was the quarterback, and then, gosh, I'm blanking on who their quarterback was. Oh, gosh, it's it's right on the tip of my head. It wasn't a great quarterback, but... For Washington? They, yeah, and... Even when they went to the playoff in 2016, they had a they had a freshman quarterback. That dude was a freshman, and who was he, it? I'm blanking on that name too. Not Jake Locker, right? No. Yeah, no. Was that like I can see the guy's name, but I can I just, too. I'm gonna look that up and talk. <laughs> but I think yeah. So anyway, you know, Chris Peterson. I mean, you talk about like elite coaches. I mean, that's pretty elite. He went to, with Boise State, won two Fiesta Bowls because they beat TCU once too. In the Ranked a couple times too, yeah, yeah, and got a lot of guys drafted, got lots of guys to the NFL, and it's not—I mean—and uh, hey, the Boise, that Colorado Boise area, I don't think that would be bad for Nebraska to recruit at all. You know, get into the Northwest a little bit. Um, I mean, hell, Pack uh, Washington might be part of the Big Ten here in a few years. So Jake Browning was the Washington quarterback. Jake Browning, okay, yeah, that makes sense, but. Yeah, and they didn't, you know, they, I think they lost to Alabama like 24 to 3 or 31 10. It wasn't terrible yeah. though. They didn't get just like they didn't get totally wiped off the mat. It wasn't it wasn't like Notre Dame in uh, the Monte Teo year when they just got embarrassed by Bama in the title game. Oh, that was that was Have you miserable. watched the have you watched the Monte Teo <laughs> doc on Netflix? I haven't watched the Monte Teo doc, but I should. You should. It's worth it. Like, did, how did you not know? I don't know. It seems like I get. I I think he did. I I think he was confused, but I think he was also trying to play it up for his Heisman campaign. And it kind of worked a little bit. I mean, because it's have like, a good dude, team. how are you, how are you saying that you've never met this person before in your life, and you're being like, oh, I'm honoring my season for her? Like, come on, dude, you did that for the cameras, and and, and you, it kind of worked. I it mean, did, yeah. Because somebody on that documentary, they're like. You know, he had a good season for a linebacker, but nobody, they're like, if he didn't play for Notre Dame and if this didn't happen, there's no way he would even make yeah. the ceremony because he wasn't anything special. No, he wasn't, but. No, good player, was, though. I mean, good player, yeah. but. But that was just smart uh, PR move on his part. Notre Dame, baby. Hey, there's a reason they got, the, they haven't had to play in the conference. You know, they still got people convinced there's something special and they're not. 
Well, you see what happens when they actually play opponents in conferences. So I can see why they haven't played anybody in conference. Put them in the Big Ten West. That would be something, wouldn't it? That would be, be all right with them in U.S. That actually would be pretty sweet if you had Notre Dame. And, man, like, just not based off recent results, but just off of name, USC, Nebraska, Notre Dame in one division. Like, holy shit, you could sell then, you could, you could sell a lot of TV money or get a lot of TV deals with that. Then Miami, Penn State, and... Oh, you're throwing Miami in the Big Ten now? Miami, Penn State, and then somebody else in another division? Oh, man. That would be nice. Like, there's certain uh, Pitt, names... You know, Pitt, yeah. that's who they should get, because then you could have Pitt and Penn State rivalry. There's certain names where, you know... Even if we don't like them, it wouldn't be bad for college football if like certain teams were good. Like for example, and I think it's coming up, USC. Yeah, you know, they look pretty good. Um, Miami. I mean, they've looked pretty good so far. You know, there's certain teams, certain names that could generate more interest in college football and bring Nebraska. back the glory days. Nebraska. Nebraska's <laughs> one of them, man. Yeah. God. We gotta get but, there. Uh, I think uh I think we might have to wait a little bit, but we got to get the right coach. That's, you know, Miami, I think has the right coach, you know, which everybody, but the thing about Mario Cristobal though, is he's like legitimately done this. He went to Oregon one big, he's been, he's one of the best recruiters in the country. And Miami is one of those programs where it's like, dude, if you, if you literally can just recruit the kids that are within 30 miles of campus, you're good. That's all you got to do. Just keep those kids in Miami and you're good. You're going to compete for ACC championships every single year. And he's from there. So, like, he knows the area really well. And, you know, yep. the the name Miami still means something to a lot of these kids. Yep. Do, Nebraska, do recruits care about the Tom Osborne days? No. No, probably no. No. Some do. Know who he is. Some in Nebraska, I think, do. You know, not, not a lot, but some in Nebraska still, I think, do. Um, but yeah, that, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this earlier and I, we, I kind of put on the back burner, but you know, what do you think about, you know, looking at this 2023 class, we were talking about like defensive linemen and then, you know, I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, we got Riley Van Poppel, you know, I've heard that, um, you know, Michigan's trying to get to try to make a push to try to get him flipped. You know, we just had Cameron Leonard, you know, a Marion Miller, like if we lose Mickey Joseph, he's not, he's not coming. I don't think, um, so I don't know, how worried are you, or are you worried at all about the 2023 class, or do you just think that that's like just part of the process and there's just nothing that can be done to really save it? It's part of the process, and there's nothing that can be done to save it, but I am worried. I mean, we do have a lot of uh, – we have, like like you said, Van Poppel, uh, Dylan Rogers, uh, Marion Miller. Like, there's guys in, in this class that I want. And, you know, if we lose Mickey – and if we, you know, lose Brian Applewhite, then there's some athletes that we're, we're going to have either a hard time landing or not at all. And that's one of my worries. Um, I do think that whatever happens, there needs to be some form of – they need to identify a recruiting strategy um, from now until December because with early signing day, this class could be – really really behind if things don't go well yeah and you know one thing i was just looking at it you know five they've got 14 commitments right now and five of them are in-state prospects you know like maverick noonan and you know some of those guys so i'm hoping that they can keep those guys in the fold um i think it's 
depending on who's hired, I just really don't think Mal. I don't think there's a shot with Malachi Coleman. I just don't see how it's going to work out, you know, unless. There hasn't really been a shot for like a couple months now, truthfully. Once you started getting those offers from Georgia, Oregon, you know, I had my doubts. See, I I don't know. I felt com- I mean, I felt confident if the Huskers could win because, you know, he did get all those predictions. And I mean, everybody's so I mean, I think there was a reason for some of that stuff, but at the same time, like I think Nebraska had to back it up on the field and actually like li- live up to what they thought. And that's, he's not, I mean, unless he changes his commitment date, if he commits on October 22nd, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be to Nebraska. Now I will say this, you know, after Michigan had their worst year with Jim Harbaugh and he was two and four and everybody was talking about him getting fired, Will Johnson, who was the number one player in Michigan, five-star recruit, still went there. So, I mean, sometimes the kid himself is like, you know what, I want to be the one who makes the change at this program, you know, and regardless of who the head coach is, like, I want to, so I don't know unless Malachi Coleman just really loves this program and really wants to be a Husker, I would say that's the only possibility, but yeah, he's, I think he's going to, if I was him, I'm not, I have no inside info on this at all, but if I was him, I would absolutely go to USC because you know, you're going to have elite quarterback play elite offense. And he's probably going to be a first round pick in like four years. He said that one of the reasons Nebraska was even in his top seven to begin with was Mickey Joseph. So I'm interested to see how this plays out, but I don't think he's coming to Nebraska. If there's anybody that can have, you know, Coleman go to Nebraska, it would be Mickey. And truthfully, I think Mickey's going to have a lot of work to do in that department if, you know, we have a shot at landing him. Yeah, we'll see. That would be, you know, honestly, that would be another uh, feather in his cap, though. I mean, if he could somehow get Malachi Coleman to commit to Nebraska while he's the interim head coach, I don't think he's going to. That'd be like a huge ask, but if he could do that and put together a winning season, then that would be that would be two pretty strong arguments. Like, hey, I can recruit elite kids here, and I can win with the roster we have right now, and I'm going to be an even better recruiter as a, as the head coach. So that's the thing. I think that you know, depending on these next couple of months, if we got kids from Louisiana coming, good receivers, i.e., Omari and Miller, like those type of receivers, I think you at least look to keep Mickey on a staff, if not make him the head coach. Because there's certain structural elements that, I yes, I know he's never been a head coach before, but he demands discipline, he demands perfection, and he wants to get the most out of his guys, and that's something that you need in a head coach. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe that just because someone has been a head coach means that they're going to be a good head coach. You know what I mean? Like, We've seen new, I mean, look at Ryan Day at Ohio State, had zero head coaching experience, and he's lost like four games in five years. I mean, he obviously took over a really good program. Yeah, I was going to say, he, but, he was but set, still, but still, yeah. But I mean, it's just, if is at some point, you know, it's kind of like that, say, you know, everybody, you know, when you apply for that job and it's like experience needed, but like at some point, I have to get that experience and you have to take that shot on somebody. And I think that that's why this is a really savvy move by Trev Alberts because he gets a whole season to see what Mickey Joseph can do without having to, you know, like invest in hiring him as the full-time head coach. I mean, if Mickey, if the players love him and everything turns around and they start winning every game, like why wouldn't you stick with him? Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of flaws, I think, in this roster, but there's a reason we all thought this team could win eight or nine games at the start of the year, though, like for real. The offense offense is really good. The offense is really good. And that's – I feel sorry for Casey Thompson, man. He's probably like kicking himself that he chose to come to Nebraska because he could have probably went somewhere else and been, you know, in just as good of a spot. 
Same thing with Trey Palmer and Anthony Grant. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, although Anthony Grant, he's such a dynamic player that I think he would have succeeded anywhere. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what this program does. Like, if this program shows signs of life, I could see them retaining Mickey because of that recruiting um, recruiting element that he brings to the table. And, you know, if, like we talked about earlier in the show, when it was announced that Mickey was going to be head coach, the players were excited. So if there's momentum building and, you know, if they don't, even if they don't win, I could see, I could see him, you know, remaining Nebraska's head coach. And yes, I know Trev Alberts said that, you know, a nationwide coaching search will begin out of season and blah, 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 but he's not going to outright guarantee Mickey a job um, right now. And I remember, too, you know, looking back to when they fired Frank Solich, um, Bull Pelini was actually on staff as the defensive coordinator, and he coached the Alamo Bowl that year, and they played really well. And a lot of people actually wanted Bull Pelini to be the head coach. The players wanted him to be the head coach. I mean, the players, you know what I mean, how players are. But they they didn't hire him, and they hired Bill Callahan, and then three years later, bam, they were right back. So, like, if they had just hired Bull Pelini then, like the program wouldn't have had to suffer through those three years. And I know Bo Pelini has his detractors, but the dude won like nine games every year. So you can't really, you can say he, he sucked in some big games, but you know what? Like at least Nebraska was in big games when he was the head coach, because as far, I mean, I don't think Nebraska has been ranked in five years. I don't think they've been ranked for a single week under frost outside of like um, preseason polls because they've lost the first game every year. They won against South Alabama. I think they were 25th in 2019, yeah. and then they dropped out because they struggled against South Alabama. Yeah, so, I mean, like, after games have been played, like, I don't think this team's ever been ranked. So, like, say what you want about Bo Pelini, but the Huskers were, like, a mainstay in the top 25, and they beat top 25 teams, like, every single year. Not all the time. I get that, but... That's what I want to see. I want to see Nebraska in a freaking game on ESPN or Big Ten Network, and I want to see a damn number next to their name, number 20. I want to see them freaking ranked every week. Like, there's no reason we should be five years outside of the top 25. $50 million in buyouts since 2005. That was a number that I found interesting this morning. That's a big uh, number. That is a huge number, so I just (laughs) want to see consistency. Consistency, and sure, do I want to see them ranked? Yeah, but I think there needs to be a solid base all around the board before that happens. So that that was my word yesterday. That's my word today, consistency. And, you know, if we can find a coach, whether it be Mickey, whether it be, I don't know, Jamie Chadwell, whether it be Matt Campbell, consistency is going to be key and continuity is going to be key, both on and off the field. Yeah, it's uh, so really quick. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll be wrapping up here in a few minutes, guys. So if you, if anybody's still watching, if you have questions in the comments, you know, throw it up there and we'll we'll answer them. But uh, if not, I think, um, what do you just think about Oklahoma? We got a few more minutes here. We'll wrap it up here in about an hour. But how are you? I know from, I guess, your earlier statement, you're not feeling confident about this game. But uh, just give me your initial thoughts on the Sooners for Saturday. Uh, I think the Sooners, you know, they're not as explosive as, you know, they've been in the past couple of years, but they can still throw the football. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is – is a competent quarterback, and yeah, I know that they're they they have a newer head coach, but I still think that Oklahoma will unfortunately beat Nebraska. 
like I said earlier, as long as Shenander's still coaching the defense, you know, there's really no chance for anybody offensively to succeed. They're going to have to put up 75 points a game. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to see anything on the that Travis Fisher front. It wasn't – I'd have to look back at who tweeted it. It wasn't a, like a known account or a reputable account or anything. So totally just like a rumor. I'm pretty sure I retweeted it and said, like, please, God, <laughs> and make this happen. In a perfect world, Nebraska gets blown out Saturday, Shannon gets fired, and then we can really start building. See, my perfect world is – Fire Shenander today, give Travis Fisher the job. Travis Fisher stops running all these dumbass defensive plays, and Mickey Joseph gets everybody pumped up, and we pull the upset of the season on Saturday, at least for Nebraska. Because if we beat if we beat Oklahoma, that would be awesome. I mean, that would take away some of the pain of all this crap that's happened the last five years. Oh, yeah, for sure. And same thing goes, I think, with the Iowa game and, you know, things like that. But – Right now, I just have no confidence in the defense. We have the athletes. We just don't have the scheme. Well, you know, we have the athlete. We, we need to get better athletes at linebacker, like you were saying. The secondary athletes, I should say. Yeah. Secondary. The rest, I don't know. Buford, man. Marquez Buford. I got to give that guy a shout out. Yeah. He's played really well. You know, two yeah. interceptions on Saturday. Like, that was another thing. Nebraska was plus two. and Is your plus two against a team you're a 23-point favorite and you still lose? I mean – that's why Scott doesn't have a job, though. But come on. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it was just bad. And, you know, Clay Helton, he's turning Georgia Southern around. I mean, you know, there is a sense, you know, Georgia Southern seems to be on the right track with the air raid style of offense. And, you know, I mean, it just goes to show what can happen when a new voice is in the program. Yeah, I'm excited to see Mickey because, like, I don't know. It's just there's always people always want to say, well, this guy's going to be great and this guy's going to do that. But, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, you need someone who's going to connect with the players who can recruit and who's a smart coach. And we don't know if Mickey's a smart coach yet. I mean, I think he from his player development, but, you know, we haven't seen him manage a game or call plays, but you don't need any of that stuff. I mean, John Harbaugh for the Ravens never called a play in his life. He was the special teams coordinator. Look how good he's been, you know, so like. I, I would have no – like if, if Mickey worked out and then you could just keep Whipple and, the you know, basically the offensive staff, you know, Brian Applewhite, who I think has done a great job, mm. then you wouldn't lose a bunch of your recruits. Then just go use your money to invest in a legitimate defensive coordinator, like get the best defensive coordinator money can buy and load up your defensive staff and try to go from – I mean, I don't think that that's a horrible idea if that if it goes that way for Mickey and if Mickey wins – a lot of games and he turns out to be a good coach like why wouldn't you just stick with them the pieces are there it's just about execution and it seems like we've been saying that for the past well five years but i mean it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out i think we're going to have a lot more opportunities to uh record videos and write articles over these next couple yeah. months i will say that yeah but, uh yeah i mean i just can't believe it happened I can't believe it. I'm I'm glad though. Props to Trev. I think it was the right move, you know. And I think that even the people who say that they're never going to watch Nebraska football now because Scott Frost got fired, I think they'll come to see that too someday. So, I hope so. But you know, before we go, um, everybody who's watching this, streaming with us, thank you so much for joining the stream today. Um, make sure you know you subscribe to our channel because we'll be having you know more streams and more videos coming up here soon about the Huskers. We'll have you know another one later this week. I'm not sure if we'll do. A live stream or just put out a video record but we'll have 
you know, our previews um, and our, our kind of predictions and keys against Oklahoma. But uh, you can find more of our content all the time. Danny is uh, always putting out great blogs at thegreatcornholio.org. So, you know, check him out. Check me out at huskerbigred.com. If you're into the podcasting instead of the videos, check out the Husker Big Red podcast on Spotify and Apple, you know, wherever else. But like our page, get into the comments section. Um, you know, you can see Danny's got his uh, Twitter bio up there, uh, any the NEB Cornholio, the great Cornholio, a play on the Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, but, absolutely. But with Nebraska, so it's it's awesome. I love it. Get it, everybody, because corn. <laughs> everybody loves corn, man. Corn. I got oh, that boy, st- now you're going to get it stuck in my head. Dude, it's been stuck in my head for months. I can't every day. I'm like, hey, it's corn. It's Maybe that corn kid will be added to the staff, and he can provide that energy and excitement that we've all been missing for goodness knows how long. Dude, the uh, the corn song, that should be like our theme song. Lifelong Oklahoma fan here. Urban Meyer's way too sketchy. No horrible compass. Husker fans deserve better. You will get your guy. Well, thank you, Stacy, as an Oklahoma fan. I thank hope we you, beat Stacey. you on I Saturday. Though, but... I hope it's a good game. I, I, I hope we can keep it close on Saturday at the very least. Last year, you know, it sucks they don't play each other anymore. Nebraska-Oklahoma was such a good rivalry. Like, I, I grew up watching that game after Thanksgiving, and they took that away, and then they brought me Colorado, and then they took that away, and now it's Iowa, so. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, Nebraska and Texas play each other more, too? Because I think Quinn Ears is going to be a stud. I freaking hate Texas, man. They ruined my life as a Nebraska fan. 96 cost us the national championship. Mm-hmm. 99 cost us the national championship. And then That's... 09, Big 12, right? Yeah, 09, yeah. Big 12 championship, yep. Yeah. One second. but All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on the stream. We'll uh, let everybody know when we're going to do this again, but it was fun hanging out with you again, Danny. And uh, absolutely, we'll uh, have some more Huskers talk for you this week. And uh, as always here at the Husker Big Red YouTube channel, thanks again and go Big Red. Go Big Red.